0: It never ceases to amaze me how God works. Nobody knows what I'm going to preach on today except him. The songs, the people, all of it coming together for his glory. That last song, Mighty to Save, lover of my soul. I want to live for you. What an awesome thing to live for him. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you that we're able to come together in your house to worship you, that we're able to read your word daily, that we're able to fellowship with each other and with you, That we know you for salvation, that we are beginning to have an understanding of all that you are and all that you've done. Lord, work in our hearts, our minds, our souls today, that we would have a better understanding of what it is you want for us and from us. Help us, Lord, in our walk. Help us in our understanding. Help us in our service. Guide and direct us that we would bring you glory and honor use this time in a mighty way for your glory. May I speak your words as you would have them spoken. We thank you for your completed work on the cross and all that you've done and ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey! Where are you going? Who are you following? Where are you heading? What are you doing? What do you mean you're following him? Why are you following that guy? Where do you think he's going? Where in the world are you going? What a waste of time. Have you heard that before? I heard it plenty of times in my life. I followed different people at different times in my life. As a child, I looked up to my parents. I looked up to my father. I tried to follow him, to follow his example, to grow and be and become like he was. He seemed to be strong. He seemed to have direction. He seemed to have knowledge. He was able to accomplish things. Some of them were great things. As I got a little older, I started to discover, gee, dad doesn't really know everything. And I began to doubt. Is this man I'm following really a good man? Is he really as smart as I thought he was? What am I doing following him? If I follow him, if I'm always behind him, I'll never become what he is. But do I really want to become what he is? Is he really the one I should be following? As a teenager, I began to rebel. As I realized and thought about all these things, I wanted to be out on my own. That's a thing between fathers and sons. The sons grow up, and, and at first they follow their fathers most of the time, and then they reach a point of rebellion as they get moved out on their own. They try and uh, set their own course. Think about that, setting a course. Do you, do you set a course for a particular goal? What is that goal? Who is it that you're following? Where are you trying to go? Why in the world are you doing those things you're doing? I want you to think about your life. It really comes in two parts. Each one of us. Now, people break that down. Cultures break that down. Oh, you were a child, you were, you were a teenager, you were a young adult, you were a middle-aged, you were old, and then you died. And we can split all this up, and you, you had a time of education, you had a time of work, you had a time of joy. Maybe, maybe you even had children. And you got to enjoy time with them. And then, and then you reached and were nearing the end of your life and you suddenly sat down in retirement and said, oh, finally, finally I can do something for myself. I want to say, and this sounds harsh, if that's what you're doing and that's what you're working on, you're a fool. What is your goal? What goals have you set for yourself? Life really only has two parts. The first part is our traveling, our journey to find the cross. Until we find the cross, we're lost completely, wandering in any direction, following whoever we think knows more than we do, has more than we have, does better than we do. We're following and doing the wrong things because we don't know any better. But that first part of our journey, before the cross, is important because it shapes us. We're allowed free choice to make our own decisions. We're allowed to do basically anything we want. A lot of us choose the wrong path. Think all the way back to the beginning, to Adam and Eve. They chose the wrong path. Look at it in Genesis. I mean, they were told, don't eat of the tree of knowledge, the tree in the midst of the garden. In Genesis 3, they did. They broke the one rule they had. What a terrible thing to make that decision because that decision really cost them everything. There they were in the presence of God daily. All their needs met. And, you know, I, I for some reason, I, I was thinking of this the other day. You know, God said to them, don't eat of the tree of knowledge. He didn't say, don't eat of the tree of life. Did you ever think about that? I, I wonder why that is. Could it be that because where they were in his presence, they didn't have to worry about that, their life would be eternal with him? They had already made it to heaven and they blew it. They made a mistake and broke the one rule. They ate from that tree and he cursed them because of their action. He made it hard for them to grow crops to survive, to live. He made pain enter their lives and he drove them from the garden. Think about that. Choices matter. Who we follow matters. If we're following a fool, we're going to become a fool. If we're following someone who has evil intent, we generally will grow into that and have evil intent. And that will change when we get caught, smarten up, or we meet Jesus. That first part of our journey is searching for something. And we usually don't know what it is. Unless someone steps into our life to show us the way. Here in America, we're lucky. We have so many opportunities. There's a church on every street corner. There are tracks sometimes laying on the sidewalk. A Bible in every house, three, four, five. Some of us have ten Bibles. That's great. You're reading, you're learning, you're growing. What about the people with no Bibles? How do they find Jesus? They find it by watching others, by beginning to follow someone else. Because they see something in someone else's life. Something worth having. Worth following that person for. It's a difficult thing to find Jesus. But once we find him, our lives change. Once we come to know him for salvation, our lives change. We no longer are completely lost without a moral compass. We now have A purpose, a goal, and rules. (laughs) Rules. It's easy to say, Jesus is love. Oh, come to Jesus. The whole world is beautiful. Rainbows and butterflies. It's not. It's not true. Jesus is love. He is truth. He is life. But our world doesn't change like that. It does change. Our direction changes. Think about that. You've made it to the cross. You've given your life to Christ. You've repented of your sins. You've accepted that free gift. His life, given for you, for your sins as an individual, suffered and died and rose again. And there he awaits us in heaven. He's going to come back and he's going to judge. What's he going to judge? How's he going to judge? I mean, before the cross, we had no rules, but now we know him, and we have some. People ask me, Tim, I I know Jesus. I'm, I'm sure that I do, but I don't really, I don't seem to see a great change in my life. What am I supposed to do? Where in the Bible does it tell me what to do, how to live? How am I supposed to live? Tim, let me follow you. No, don't follow me. I can point you to Jesus. I can point you to heaven. I can show you in his word how you're supposed to live. But don't follow me. Because as hard as I try, I'm really not a good example. There's only one. and His name is Jesus. Follow him. I I was talking this morning, you know, we have a few problems with the sound system, with the projector, and this is the one time I actually wanted to put something up there. (laughs) And I also really wanted to run around. You see, I'm kind of filled with a little nervous energy this morning. I want you to think about your life, and I want you to think about the goals you have in your life. And how you set those goals. In a minute, we're going to talk about that. But right now, I want you to realize, if you've come to know Jesus, your life has changed dramatically. You may not fully recognize and comprehend that yet, but your life has changed. So what is it that you're supposed to do? How are you supposed to act? How are you supposed to live? Who are you supposed to follow? You're supposed to follow Jesus. Where is Jesus going? Ultimately, he will be in heaven with us, with God the Father. So how do you get there? We gave our life to Christ. We're going. We repented of our sins. We're going. What does God expect of us? He expects expects us to live a certain way, to take the path he has laid out for us. Now, I don't know how many of you are sailors or how many know how to read a map, but that's kind of how I'm going to talk about it this morning. I want you to think about where you are right now and where God is in heaven. That path is an easy path to follow. It doesn't mean it's an easy journey, but it's easy to find the way once you know Jesus because his word is still here. He has revealed his will to us as believers. Praise God he did that. Praise God that we know how to read and write and speak. Praise God that we are together as one body, His body here on earth. So how is it? Where do we go? What's our direction? Let me try and make it understandable. Our direction is to go to heaven. Let's say that's straight up. Or maybe straight up this aisle. So if it was on a compass, if we were reading a chart, we would head due north. Be very simple. You look at your compass. That's the Bible. Okay, that's due north, and up the aisle you go, and you keep walking there until you arrive at heaven. It's pretty simple. The path is clear. The path is straight. There's a lot going on in the world around you, but the path is open. But once in a while, you know, things step into our lives, maybe Maybe instead of serving God, I, I choose to do something else this weekend. I don't know. I haven't been with my friends in a while. And we go and we visit them Saturday night. And we have a couple drinks and we act like idiots. And we hang around all day Sunday and we miss church. I mean, that's just, you know, it's a little sidestep, a little bit of a change of direction. So instead of heading due north, heading right at due north, The compass heading would be zero for that day or two. We've we've changed direction about five degrees. So as we're moving along in our life, we're getting farther and farther from the path that leads to heaven. Now, it's not that we're not going to get there eventually because we've given our lives to him. We have that understanding. He saved us. But on that journey, we've decided to take a little bit of a side road. And and I have to tell you, I can't do it with this microphone. I was going to walk straight up the aisle and say, see how easy that is? Just follow the path as opposed to. The path is clear. Our decisions aren't always good. How do we know which way to go? God laid it out for his people in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 27 and 28. God made it very clear. In chapter 27, starting, starting in verse 9, it says, And Moses and the priests, the Levites, spake unto all Israel, saying, Take heed and hearken, O Israel, this day thou art become the people of the Lord thy God, Thou shalt therefore obey the voice of the Lord, thy God, and do his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day. God had Moses and the Levites announce to the people the things they weren't supposed to do and the things they were. And he told them there would be consequences. If you do these things, you will be cursed. If you do those things... You will be blessed. I'm not going to read through all the curses. You know why? Because you can read. And you should be. You should be reading his word at home every day. You should be spending time with him. You know, I was a missionary. I went to several countries in the world, places where they can't read, where the only way they hear God's word is from someone else's lips. One of the things we did for outreach was teach them to read. In some cases, even creating a written language to translate the Bible and then teach them to read. So they would have God's word with them and be able to read it at any time and know the will of God. So I will say this about chapter 27, starting at verse 14. And the Levite shall speak and say unto all the men of Israel with a loud voice, Cursed be the man that maketh any graven or molten image, an abomination unto the Lord, the work of the hands of the craftsman, and put it in a secret place. And all the people shall answer and say, Amen. I'm not going to go through this. There's 12 different times in that chapter where he lists How they're gonna be, or that they're going to be cursed for certain actions. And each time the Levites announced it, they were to do it with a loud voice on the side of the mountain for all the people to hear, and the people shall answer and say, Amen. Why did God do that? He wanted them to hear. He wanted them to listen. And He wanted them to acknowledge that they had heard. Think about that. They were going to be held responsible by God. Here is my will. Don't do this. Do you hear it? Do you understand? Amen. What's the short version of amen? I agree. Have you read God's word? Is he speaking to you? Are you listening? Have you heard it? And are you saying to him, amen? You should be. That's verse twenty. That's chapter 27. Go to chapter 28, verse 1. And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all his commandments, which I command thee, this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth, And all these blessings shall come on thee, and overtake thee, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Blessed shall thou be in the city, and blessed shall thou be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of thy body, then the fruit of the ground, and the fruit of thy cattle, and increase of the kind, and the flocks of the sheep. I'm going to stop right there. It's pretty clear. God made it simple. Hey, don't do this, or you'll be cursed. Do this and you'll be blessed. God wants to bless us. He created man. He created man and he walked with us in the garden. And we blew it. We took our free will and we headed in the wrong direction. We had a choice. We made a bad decision. Bad decisions lead to suffering. Good decisions lead to blessing. Remember that. Bad decisions lead to suffering, and good decisions lead to blessings. God is outlined in his word for them in Deuteronomy. It's written for us. It's very easy to look at the New Testament and say, we live under grace. We follow Jesus. We don't have to worry about the Old Testament. The Old Testament is God's consistency remembered for us. God's truth, God's direction, God's will. Here we are, reading something written thousands of years ago that still applies today. Think about your own life. When you make good decisions, generally speaking, you're blessed. When you make bad decisions, you're cursed. God will hold us accountable. In verse 20, it says, The Lord shall send upon... The cursing, vexation, and rebuke, and all that thou settest thine hand unto for to do, until thou be destroyed, and until thou perish quickly, because of the wickedness of thy doings, whereby thou hast forsaken me. He's telling them this is serious stuff. Do the good things. Do the things that I outline as things that that give me pleasure. That are good and I will bless you. But if you're gonna, if you're gonna go the other way, if you're gonna get a few degrees off course and then a few degrees more off course, eventually you're headed in the opposite direction away from God. And what's God gonna do? He's telling them, I will utterly destroy you. Make good choices in life. It matters. Verses 16 through 68 in that chapter, are listing all the curses. What's going to happen to them if they make the wrong choice? What a horrible, horrible way to look at it, to see that many curses and that many things that can go wrong based on our choice, based on their choice. Are we any different than they were? No, we're not. We live in a different time. But we are still His chosen people. In chapter 29, the first verse says, we're still in Deuteronomy, these are the words of the covenant which the Lord commanded Moses to make with the children of Israel in the land of Moab, beside the covenant which He had made with them in Horeb. A covenant, an agreement, more than just an agreement, more than just a contract. God wants us to be with him in heaven. He doesn't want to punish us. He doesn't want to rain his wrath and power on us. He wants to share his love, his compassion. He wants us to be joyful in his presence. How do we do that? It's pretty simple. Follow his rules. He's outlined some of them here. I go to Exodus 20 to look for the Ten Commandments it's pretty simple you know if we really at least tried to live by the Ten Commandments we would be a blessing to God so seldom do we really strive to do that I've asked you here before and I'm going to ask you again today how many of you can remember the Ten Commandments I don't expect them verbatim but to paraphrase would be good Read them, learn them, live by them. In verse 15 of chapter 29, it says, But with him that standeth here with us this day before the Lord our God, and also with him that is not here with us this day. That is not here. So we have the people of Israel, or the Israelites, listening to all this. Do this, you're going to be cursed. Do this, you're going to be blessed. Then a listing of all the curses that come with these bad decisions. And it closes, pretty much closes with this, that standeth here with us this day before the Lord, so that's all the people that were there, and also with him that is not here with us today. Well, who's not with them if those are his chosen people? We aren't because we aren't here yet. Go to Acts chapter 2 and verse 39, and it says, For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. The promise is to us, too, when we give our life to Christ. The rules don't change. The only thing that changes is the law is of no effect to us. It is through his grace, his suffering, his death, and his resurrection. He has paid the price for our sins. The promise for us is an eternity with him in heaven. We are part of the promise. We are his chosen people. We know that because he says that in Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 1 in in verse 4 it says that he knew us before the foundation of the earth he knew who we were what we were going to be and he chose us he adopted us he blessed us we are his people and as his people what are we supposed to be doing here on earth well first we should be making good decisions trying to live a life that is blessed as he intended for us to be blessed, to be present with him as Adam and Eve once were in the garden, to walk with him in the garden, to be in his presence in heaven. I look forward to that glorious day. In Acts chapter 10 is the story of Cornelius. Cornelius saw an angel, and the angel spoke to him and said, you need to, you need to call this guy Peter and have Peter come and talk to you. And Cornelius, a centurion, sent men to go get Peter. And when they arrived at Peter, a Jew, they said, come, Cornelius wants you. He summoned you. And I think that Peter was probably a little worried because he wasn't supposed to have anything to do with them. He was a Jew, and they weren't. But he went. He answered the call. And when he arrived, the first thing that Cornelius did was fall down on the ground to worship Peter because of what he had heard. And because the angel had visited him and said, call, summon this man, Peter. And Peter said to him, get up. Don't worship me. Don't follow me. I think Peter is a pretty good example for life. Of course, he made a few mistakes too, didn't he? You remember? You will deny me three times. Can you imagine that? Denying Christ. Excuse me. Excuse me, weren't you with that guy? What guy? I don't know him. Uh, pardon me. Uh, uh, aren't you one of his disciples? I, I, uh, who? Who? Where? Not me. Hey, I'm sure that I saw you with him. No, no, no. Not me. And then the cock crowed. Peter's heart was broken. Don't follow other people follow Jesus go to 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 going to start at verse 7 for we walk by faith not by sight we are confident I say and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord wherefore we labor that whether present or absent we may be accepted of him for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Yes, you and I are going to heaven. That's not going to change. But we are going to be judged. We're going to be judged on the path we took from the day we found the cross the day he led us to the cross, the day we followed someone else who led us to the cross. From that day forward, you will be judged by your decisions, good or bad. Think about this. Bad decisions lead to suffering, good decisions to blessings. Bad decisions are following who? Nobody ever wants to say it. Satan. Who benefits from our bad decisions? Satan. Who benefits from our good ones? God as he is blessed by his people. The other people around you who see you and begin to follow you to seek something that you have that they don't, that allows you to live as God would have us live, to have joy and contentment. It doesn't mean there isn't suffering in your life, but it means that you have an understanding an inner joy that nobody can take away. The knowledge that you will reach that goal of heaven because your path has been laid out from the moment you gave your life to Jesus. Yes, you took some rocky roads. You tried to take a shortcut. I've never found a shortcut that beats going straight to the goal. We can climb over rocks and hard times and hard places every day if we choose to do that. Or we can choose to follow Jesus and his leading. So what is it that we're supposed to do, this following Jesus? Go to verse 17. We're in Second Corinthians 5:17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead to be reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We then, as workers together with him, beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. What does he want from us? He wants us to be ambassadors. He wants us to lead other people to him. He wants us to be good examples, to live lives that honor God, to live blessed lives, to choose rightly, to stay on the path and head for the goal. And the goal is to be with him in heaven and to bring as many people with us as we can. Ambassadors of Christ. Think about that. An ambassador. When people see us and they know that we carry the name Christian, they're watching us all the time. When we when we walk and live and work and they see us as arrogant or the world sees us as deceitful, Or they see no grace in our lives. They will attribute those things to Christ. Take that to heart. So how do we do it? How do we do that? We know the rules. And if we don't, you better get reading when you leave here today. Because it's all in there. First thing we need to do is get up every morning and recognize just who God is. What he has done for us as individuals. What his wish is for all of humanity. That all could come to know him for salvation. Every knee will bow someday before him. I want to bow before him and follow him up to heaven. I don't want to go the other way. I want to bring as many people with me as I can. I want to to be humble, patient loving, caring. I want to reach out and help those people in need because that's what he did and still does today through us. I want I want to serve him. Bad decisions serve Satan. Good decisions serve God. Who are you serving each and every day? If you're serving yourself, in the end, You're really serving Satan. If you're serving God. God will bless your life. You will spend eternity with him in heaven. But you will live a blessed life here. You may have illness. You may have accidents. You may lose a job. You may lose relatives. But ultimately. You are blessed. Because you're going to heaven. For eternity with him. What can we do? One of the most important things is not miss opportunities. God lays opportunities before our feet each and every day. You may have an easy life and things are going well. And you go to McDonald's and you go to the 7-Eleven and you come to church and you have a nice family life and that's wonderful and so that's all there is to life. No, it's not. You better be preaching the gospel, showing the gospel, and living the gospel to every single person you come in contact with. You don't have to stop them and grab them by the collar and say, listen to this. But you should be living according to God's will each and every day and using those opportunities he puts before you to bring him glory and honor and bring him all those souls that you can point in his direction. Serve God do it well do it daily don't make bad decisions we are ambassadors we can't just talk about it we need to be doing it in james 1 122 it says be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving your own selves our hearts our hearts are deceitful above all else we can outsmart ourselves we can convince ourselves that something we're doing is correct don't think that way think about god's will and what god would have you do put your faith in him follow jesus not yourself not me not your pastor follow jesus joshua 24:15 the end of the verse says as for me and my house we will serve the lord god may we all do that praise god and amen Amen? Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day, this opportunity. We thank you for your, for your word that you've preserved for us. Help us to take it to heart, to apply it daily, that we would bring you glory and honor. We thank you for the blessings you give each and every one of us, for how you work in our lives, how you have saved us, and the opportunities you lay at our feet each and every day. May we use them all for your glory. We thank you all for all this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.